going to begin in Genesis chapter number 22. Genesis chapter number 22. And if you want to go ahead and head that direction, we're going to be in Ephesians in chapter 4 in just a minute. This week we've been studying on exactly what it takes to be a Christian. And if we want a true revival in our life, sometimes we have to revisit this. The first and number one most important thing is, uh, is being saved. For without that first initial step, without that foundation, there is no such thing as being a Christian. The second step immediately following that is, is getting past that stage of doubting your salvation, allowing Satan to get in and, and cause your life to be unusable because you're not entirely sure whether you're sold out, committed, and, and given over to God. And then last night, we looked at a, we looked at a changed man. And whenever we get saved, like, like the song said, uh, we have been changed. We have been transformed since that day He changed my life. And whenever we're saved, that happens. We, we can't help it. That, that's exactly what happens whenever we get saved. And following that is, is where we find ourselves tonight. And before we read in Genesis chapter number 22, I want to ask a question. Like I said, questions... I really get my mind to going, uh, so I'm going to ask a question tonight. What does it take for you to miss work? What does it take for you to call in sick? I told everybody when I was a school teacher, if I, if I didn't show up, I wasn't sick. I didn't take sick days. If I'm going to be sick, I'm going to be at school. If, I, if I'm not there, that means I'm well and good. I'm fishing, or I'm working, or I went hunting, or I just stayed home to take a nap. I'm not sick. If I'm sick, I'm coming to school. I can be sick and miserable there. But what does it take for us? What does it take for us to miss work? What does it take for us to miss a, a meal with our family? What does it take for us to to miss something that we are habitually committed to? Uh, I know a lot of people enjoy sports. What does it take for us to miss a football game? Yeah, y'all see, I got my purple and gold making up for it tonight. What does it take for us to miss a football game? Saints, LSU, Ole Miss, whatever. What does it take for us to miss that? What what does it what does it take? If my throat's scratchy, do I call in sick to work? If I get a little bit of a fever, do I, I turn off the TV and not pay attention to the football game? What does it take for me to miss a meal with my family? If if, if my leg hurts, there's a song. Uh, it's kind of an old song. It's called Excuses. And it goes, excuses, excuses, we use them every day. And the devil, he'll supply them if from church you'll stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks out of church, he offers them excuses. What type of excuse does it take for us to miss church? What does it take for us not to show up for Sunday school? What does it take for me not to read my Bible? What does it take for me to neglect praying to God? What does it take to keep me from growing as a Christian? Genesis chapter number 22, verse number 3. Abraham was asked by God in verse number 2 to take his son, Isaac, who he loved, up on a mountain and offer him for a burnt offering. And in verse number 3, it says, Abraham rose up early in the morning. All my life I read through that verse. Abraham got up early. As of lately, I've been working on my house, so I can't really compare this summer to anything. But last summer, it was really, really easy for me to sleep to 8, 9, 30 in the mornings. Easy. Oh, I love to sleep, and I'm good at it. I can fall asleep in 10, 20 seconds, gone. No matter what's going on, and a freight train could drive through my room, and I won't know it. 
love to sleep. Abraham rose up early in the morning. I don't believe that God would allow these words to be put in the Bible if it was not relevant. If it was not important. And all my life I read over this, but I, I believe that this is God emphasizing exactly how committed Abraham was. Of all the things in the world that he could have done, of all the things that he could have had to do that day, on the day that he was going to sacrifice his son, on the day that he was going to kill his son, on the day that he was going to offer his son, his only son, as a sacrifice to God, he got up early in the morning. How committed to God is that? Abraham didn't know there was going to be an angel there to stop him. Abraham didn't know that God was going to spare his life. Abraham didn't know what was going on. But God told him to do something and he got up early in the morning. He put forth effort. He got up early and he struck out. How committed are we to God? My first year of teaching school, I showed up early. I got a coffee mug that says, I want to do Wildcats on it. Because my first week, I had my lesson plans done a week early. Sure did. And I couldn't figure out why everybody didn't do it. It was easy. You just sit down and write your lesson plans. Take a couple of hours. I couldn't figure out why everybody didn't have their lesson plans done early. My second year teaching, guess what? No, sir, I didn't. I copied and pasted my lesson plans from the year before because I didn't have time to sit down and write new lesson plans. By my third year of teaching... I just copied and pasted the same plan for the same day and used it for all 50, uh, 180 some odd days of school. I got less and less and less committed to those lesson plans as the, as the school year went on, as my career went on. I hadn't wrote lesson plans in years now. It's great. I got less and less committed, but my first day I was there on time. Immediately following salvation, we always tend to show up to church on time. We want to read our Bible whenever we have a spare minute. We carry our Bible to, to school or to work. We keep it in the car with us. We keep it close. We read it whenever we have a chance. We read and study our Sunday school lesson. Whenever we get revived, whenever we, we go to revival and we become on fire for God, and I mean get, get that joy renewed within us, how long does that last? Are we committed to God? Or are we a bandwagon guy? Are we sold out for God? Or does it come in spurts? I'm not real good at fishing. My two brothers love to fish. And they will get up early in the morning. They will take a pack of crackers and a Mountain Dew. And they will fish all day. They will never find the bank. It's, it's, it's the boat all day. And then Dark shows up. And they're finished with their crackers and Mountain Dew. And about an hour after Dark, once they are completely settled that, that they're not going to catch nothing else, they come on back, and they do that every day. I'm not that committed to fishing. I love to fish. Don't get me wrong. I love it, but I will not get in the same boat with them and go fishing. I'm not going to do it. I don't want fishing to be hard and, and to be work. I go out there to relax, so I take my own boat. I fish a couple hours in the morning. I come in. I get me a sandwich. I get me a nap. I stretch my legs, and I get out there in the boat, and I ride a little bit, and I look around. I'm not as committed as they are. I mean, sold out to fishing. And it takes an awful lot to keep them from it. How much does it take to keep us from God's Word? How many distractions do we need to keep us from reading? 
How many times did you pick up your Bible last week in between church services? Not this week, because we've had revival. We've opened the Bible every night this week. But last week, there was no revival last week. How often did we open our Bible between Sunday and, let's say, Sunday to Sunday? If the only time we cracked the spine of our Bible was Wednesday night, we're in trouble. Because I promise we touched our phone more than that. I promise we turned our TV on more than that. Why are we more committed to everything else than God? The Bible calls that idolatry. Anything that we put ahead of God becomes an idol to us. And a lot of times in our life, I got a Bible on this. I justify it because I have a Bible on my phone. But like anything else, if I put this ahead of God, if I put Facebook or, or the new thing is TikTok, if I'm TikToking instead of reading my Bible, then it has become an idol to me. I saw a, a poster or a sign or something or other when I was in college. And, uh, I've always kind of remembered it. and It popped up on my Facebook memories a couple of weeks ago. So what does a priest and a kangaroo have in common? Any idea? The punchline was absolutely nothing. Quit scrolling through Facebook and read your Bible. I thought it made an awful lot of sense. It got me to get off Facebook. What do we put ahead of God? Are we sold out to the point that we can get up early in the morning? I'm not an early riser. I study my Bible most of the time, especially when, uh, when I get to school. I, I get going and I get me a biscuit and I get me a Mountain Dew. And then about 9, 30, 10 o'clock, I'll have an off period and, and I'll study my Bible then. I do most of my studying at night. I'm good and awake by then. It takes all day to get there. But do we study our Bible? Do we read and study our Bible? Do we pray to God? Whenever I was a kid, I think I've told this at Harmony before, whenever I was a kid, growing up, I, 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 got allowed, I was allowed to pray in church after I was saved. I'd listen to people pray and I'd try to emulate what they were saying because I thought they were fine men of God. I wanted to pray the way that they were praying, so I would pick up different phrases. And you watch your kids do that. I'll pick up different phrases from them for years. For years. I had no idea what I was saying because there was a man in our church that said, pray for our soldiers fighting on foreign soil. And I had no idea what he was saying. I thought it was far and soul or something or other. I had no idea that it was foreign soil. I had no idea. But I prayed that for years because that's what he said. That's got to be what a good prayer is. Do we pray from habit or memory or do we pour our heart out to God? Whenever I was a kid in first grade, we had what was called sight words. And Miss Gladys Williams was my teacher, bless her heart. She made us memorize these words. And, and they, they weren't supposed to be memorized. It was supposed to be whenever you see them, you know that word, you recognize that word, and you can say that word. That's how we learn to speak. And we memorized those sight words so that we could get through it quick, fast, and in a hurry and go play Lincoln Logs. And my sight words began at A, and it was A and away. Will uh, Bill go far funny? Keeps going, keeps going. I remember them because I memorized. And I didn't have to look at the words. I could say it. I could say it. 
If you got glasses on, I recommend memorizing that chart in the doctor's office. It starts out big and ends up small. If you look at it, it's the same at every doctor's office. It is. Just memorize it. But if we memorize our prayer and we're not truly praying to God, remember that that is a conversation. It's not something that we say. Whenever I pray, it's not for everybody out here to hear. It's for God to hear. It's a conversation that we have to Him. Do we pour our heart out to Him? Or do we just say things that we've memorized? Say things that we've always heard? What are we doing? As a Christian, as someone who is trying to grow in Christ, what are we doing? Do we allow Netflix to keep us from the Word? Do we allow a cough to keep us from church, but not from everything else? What's the hardest morning in the, in the whole week? What's the hardest morning to wake up and get going? Sunday. It is. For everybody. I was up this morning. My, my alarm didn't even go off. I fell asleep last night before I got to set it. My alarm didn't go off. I, I, I got up and I was going. and I got back and I looked at my clock. I looked out the window and it wasn't quite daylight yet. I looked at my phone. I'm like, oh my goodness, I got another 15 minutes. So I got back in that bed, went to sleep 15 minutes. My alarm went off. I got up. <laughs> Get up early. Don't have a problem with it during the week. All my life. Daddy got up early and left every morning. Every morning. Before we all got up and ready for school, he was already gone. But on Sunday mornings, you didn't dare wake him up before 8 o'clock. Ever. Ever. There was no running in the room and jumping on the bed. It was 8 o'clock every Sunday morning. That was it. He slept in on Sundays. Sunday morning is the hardest morning to get up for most people. Why is that? We can't be late for school. We can't be late for our jobs, but we can be late for church. We can't miss the first period of class. We can't miss the first two hours of work, but we can miss Sunday school. We read a recipe like our life depends on it, but we skim the Bible and don't even remember what we're reading. We pay attention to Facebook and TikTok. For some of you who don't know what that is, we pay attention to the newspaper. But we don't pay attention to God's Word that way. We don't read it that hard. But we don't pay attention to it with that kind of focus. Papa Aubrey, my grandpa up in Mississippi, he reads the newspaper and he'll take out the back page. It has what's called the funnies in it. It's the comics. He'd take it out and he'd give it to Nanny. And he'd sit there in his reclining chair and he'd read the newspaper and don't you even think about disturbing him while he's reading the newspaper because he is zoned in. He's focused on it. He had the same focus in ever. Whenever he'd read and study his Bible at night too, you didn't bother him then either. But do we focus on our Bible as hard as we focus on the newspaper? Do we focus on God's Word as hard as we focus on everything else in this world? Are we like Abraham? Are we so committed that we get up early? Are we so committed that, that we try to be... I've never tried to be Teacher of the Year. I got Teacher of the Month one time. I didn't really want it. I didn't really like it. I don't, I've never tried to be teacher of the year. But I believe that we are failing if every day that we live we don't try to be the Christian of the year. I believe that we're messed up. That we're not living for God the way that we should, the way that we could, if we don't try to be the Christian of the year. Go above and beyond each and every time. Like Abraham did, wake up early. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse number 12, he's talking about the 
the gifts that are given. Verse number 12, it says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You've met those people. I've met those people who don't really know what they believe. If you tell them something, they'll believe it. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I got it. I got it. I'm, I'm on it. That's exactly what I believe. And then you tell them something else and what happens? Oh, I believe that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And they're back and forth. They're committed to this. They're committed to that. What's the hardest thing we have in this community, especially? We're committed to one thing in particular, and we jump from one to the other. Anybody ever kept a New Year's resolution? Anybody? Nobody had any need. We make a New Year's resolution. I made one. I said, I'm going to eat healthy. You know what my daddy made on New Year's? He made soft serve ice cream. You know what I didn't do on New Year's? I did not keep my resolution. We have a hard time committing and following through. We say, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to eat healthy. And then we go to the steakhouse and we get fried fish. I'm going to start eating smaller portions. And then we go to barns and our plate looks like a wash tub just filled up overflow. We can't help ourselves. We have a hard time committing. And the Bible says that, that we are no more, once we are saved, that we should no more be these children tossed to and fro. That we should no longer be questioned. That we should no longer be swayed back and forth. It is the Bible. It is thus saith the Word of God. Or it is wrong. Either we live for God or we don't. We cannot be an almost Christian. We cannot be a part of the way Christian. We cannot be somewhat committed. We are either committed or we ain't. We are either sold out or we ain't. We have to be very, very careful not to be tossed to and fro. What does it mean to be committed? We, we look at Examples in the Bible, and we read Abraham. We're not going to turn over and read it, but in Daniel chapter number 3, we mentioned it last night, the, the three Hebrew children. Everybody else bowed down, and they stood up. And they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you. He said, Our God whom we serve shall deliver us out of your hand. He's going to. They were sold out. Nebuchadnezzar got mad. I, I can just see his face turning all red. Him kicking something and throwing something else and, and telling them, heat that fire up hotter. And they said, we ain't going to do it. You can heat it up as hot as you want to. We ain't going to do it. And they stood there in the face of death, in the face of everybody else looking at them. A lot of times we won't pray. We won't tell people we're praying for them. We won't show people we love them. We won't invite people to church because we care what everybody else sees. Whenever we're standing up for God, it don't matter what they think. The Bible says we shall be persecuted for Christ's sake. 
going to. 100% it's coming. Live for God anyway. Matthew chapter 22 says love God above all other things. Well, let's flip over there and read. Let's see if I can find Matthew. Matthew chapter number 22. Verse number 37. We all know the scripture. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And the word love here, and there's several different meanings of the word love in the Bible depending on how it's used. The word love is, is kind of goes back to what we are committed to. What we are fully engaged in. The Bible says we cannot serve two masters. We can't do it. You sit straddle the fence long enough and it's going to start hurting. We can't go both ways. It's one or the other. It is sold out to God. Or it is not. We love God. Or we don't. The Bible says. The Bible says if we love Him, we will keep His commandments. The Bible says the world may know that we love Him if we love the brother. If we prove it. If I'm going to say that I'm a Christian, I have to prove it. If I'm going to say that I love God, I have to prove it. And you know what proving it is? Proving it don't mean that we walk into church after Sunday school's over, after singing's over, that we only come on Sunday mornings. Proving it don't mean that we, we never crack the spine of our Bible. Ever had to dust your Bible off in between Sundays? My house gets dirty. But if I ever get to the point that I have to dust my Bible off, I'm in trouble. It's not about forgetting to read our Bible. Anybody forget to eat? I've eaten a couple of times today. Nobody forgot to eat? I didn't forget to eat either. We forget to read our Bible, we don't forget to eat. We forget to read our Bible, but we don't forget to take the animals to the vet. We don't forget to pick up our medication. We don't forget to go get gas. Our men don't forget to go get gas. We don't forget to cut the grass. We don't forget to, to mop the floors. We don't forget to, to cook dinner. But we forget. Another word for that is to neglect reading the Bible. How can we say we love God whenever we only communicate with Him, whenever we're only spiritually fed once a week, twice a week? Three times a week. The Bible says we are to be sold out to God. We are to live, love God. We are to live for God. If we're going to do that, we have to do it more than four hours a week. If you have a two-hour Sunday morning service, you have an hour on Sunday night, you have an hour on Wednesday night, that's four. How many hours are in a week? 24 times seven, nobody? Me either. There's a lot of hours in a week. You consider, and, and I know nobody in here sleeps 12 hours a day, but if you cut that in half, if you cut a week in half and say you sleep for half of it, that is 7 times 12. That's 86 hours left in a week. After we sleep for 12 hours a night, that's 86 hours left in a week. Of those 86 hours, we better give more than four to God or we're in trouble. Preacher said one time, 
He said every Christian is an evangelist or an imposter. Every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. We either live for God or we don't. We take our Christianity into the world and we prove it or we don't. And if we're only giving four hours a week to God, we're in trouble. If we don't read and study our Bible, we're in trouble. Matthew says, or Jesus says, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with everything that's in us. So how do we love God? How do we show God that love? How, how do we show love to our parents? How do we show love to our spouse? How do we show love to our kids? How do they know we love them? Easiest is to tell them. I tell my parents I love them. Before I hang up the phone, uh, I tell my wife I love her every time I talk to her. We tell our kids we love them. We tell our church members we love them. But if that's the only time that my wife feels loved by me, I'm a failure. If that's the only time my parents feel loved by me, I'm a failure. If the only time that they feel like I love them is whenever I tell them I love you. How often does God hear that from us? How often does God see that in our life? The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. The Bible says study to have an answer. And the Bible says to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. That is three of the simplest, easy, best ways to show God that we love him. To pray without ceasing. To constantly communicate with him. To be spiritually fed. To study his word. And I'm not talking about reading the Bible. You can sit here and read the Bible until you're blue in the face and not get anything out of it. I've done it. You can sit here and you can read and read and read. And if you are reading the Bible for the sake of reading, you're in trouble. There's a big difference in reading and study. God will give us clarity. God will give us wisdom. God will give us knowledge. God will give us insight into his word through the Holy Spirit that dwells within each and every saved person. We have to do it on purpose. We can't do it by accident. Anybody ever been driving? All of a sudden you look up and you don't remember the last three or four miles? Yeah, that's dangerous. Ain't it scary? If you're not careful, we'll do that with God. We'll look up and we'll say, oh my goodness, it's, it's Saturday night and I had to study my Sunday school lesson this week. You ever got to Sunday morning, get up and get trying to get the kids together? Darling, where's my Bible? It's humbling. It's convicting. The third is, is assembling together with other church members. Exhorting one another. Edifying one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another. No one can go at it alone. And we have God on our side, but He gave us the church for a reason. Flip over, if you would, to the book of 2 Timothy. Chapter number 3. Book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. Verse number 14, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, But continue. Thou and the things which thou hast learned. I know most of us in here have been to church all of our life. We've been taught to read our Bible. We've been taught to study God's Word. We've been taught 
to come to church. We've been taught to pray. We've been taught to, to, to go out into the world and to be mission, excuse me, to be missionaries. We've been taught to testify of Jesus' love. We've been taught to tell others of our profession of faith. But do we continue in that? There's a very, very, very big difference in knowing what to do and doing it. Big difference. He said, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of no one of whom thou hast learned them. I saw a quote one time. It's one of my favorite quotes. I do quotes of the day with my kids at school. and I try to start the year off with this one. And so I'll write on the whiteboard and say, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Signed, Abraham Lincoln. About half the kids get it. You can find some sort of proof, some sort of backup, someone else who agrees with you on almost every opinion you could possibly have. But we're not called to dwell in opinions, to think in opinions, to believe in opinions. We have been taught and we have been assured by the Holy Spirit of God exactly what we are called to do. But that line between knowing what to do and doing it is a very, very hard one to get across. Verse 15, from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. I love that verse. Paul is saying that the Bible is good for what ails you. It's good for all of it. If we read our Bible and we're not convicted, if we read our Bible and we're not encouraged, if we read our Bible and can't rejoice, then we need to reread our Bible. He said it is good for all of it that a man of God may be perfect. If we're going to be a Christian in this world, then Paul is not saying that we will be perfect. He's saying that we work toward perfection. That we may be, that we may achieve, that we may strive for the goal of being perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What does it take to be a Christian? It takes being sold out for God. No room for anything else. We can't serve two masters. We can't follow man. We, we can't live a, a sinful life over here and then try to live for God over here. It don't work. Peter tried that. The crowd looked at him and said, you're one of those disciples. He said, no, 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 I don't have anything to do with him. Just a minute. They said, yeah, you're, you're one of them that was with Jesus. He said, no, I don't know that man. The last time they asked him, he began to curse and throw a fit and just try to prove that he was not part of them. And yet just a few hours before, he said, Jesus, I'll die for you. Being sold out for God is giving our life to Him. We've already given our soul to Him. We've given Him our eternity. We've surrendered to Him. 
But we must continue to surrender to Him every day. We must be given over to Him every day. He says in the book of Matthew, He said, if you're going to follow Me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Me. All three of those are verbs. It takes work to be a Christian. It takes work to live for God. It takes commitment. It takes dedication. And as much as it pains us, it takes getting up early. It takes being as committed as Abraham, being as committed as Daniel, being as committed as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, being as committed as Paul, being as committed as Stephen, being as committed as God calls us to be. Well, we have a verse for song. We'd like to ask.